morning. You're listening to TWXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, Canberra's local current affairs program, and I'm Kim Vella. We're joined today again by MLA Tara Chain from the electorate of Ginandera. Welcome, Tara. Thanks, Kim. Tara is joining us regularly so we can learn about what's actually happening in our Legislative Assembly and what being an elected representative is all about. And this morning we're talking about the very relevant and important topic close to a lot of Canberra's hearts, My Dog Comes Too, the role of companion pets in our ageing society. Australians love pets. Um, we all know that. But more than mere companions, the 2016 Pet Ownership in Australia report found that our pets have become a part of our family, not surprising. With 62% of Australian households and 75% of ACT households owning a pet, and there's been a significant lift in the proportion of owners who see their pets as members of the family, or fur babies as they're commonly <laughs> known now. Pets help us improve our general health and well-being. They, um, you know, pet owners exercise more. They have greater self-esteem. They make fewer trips to the doctor. Pets help childhood development. They build immunity, especially in children. Pet owners make more friends, which is a bonus. Pets can help older people tackle loneliness. They improve cardiovascular health and they can help build communities and Canberra has been rated as one of the top pet friendly cities in Australia for our pet friendly outdoor areas our animal animal management and welfare policies registration processes and legislation our education programs events and the ability of businesses or the availability of businesses that provide services for our pets so is this something that the ACT is aspiring to, to, to be a leader in pet-related policymaking? I think uh, at, the, at the very least, our Minister for City Services, which covers our dog uh, legislation and animal welfare, Megan Fitzharris, is particularly interested in what the community's views are. One of the challenges I think that we have is the need to balance flexibility and, and uh, that high rate, especially of dog ownership and cat mm. ownership and other pets, but especially mm. dog ownership, as well with uh, responsible pet ownership. Yeah. So I think uh, something uh, that we've seen over the, the past little while is you know, we've got a really ageing population where a lot of people's uh, primary companion can be a pet and they'd like to take that pet with them wherever they can. A lot of people don't want to, uh, to tether a pet outside of mm. a shopping centre mm. or they might not um, have a, a vehicle in which they can take their pet mm. so they want to be able to take them through other modes of transport like public transport. Mm. Mm. But on the flip side, uh, some things that we've also seen are uh, some behaviours uh, from owners which are not necessarily showing those responsible mm. behaviours that we'd like to see. So, you know, looking after your uh, pet's waste or um, sometimes we've seen pets that just haven't been in necessarily in the control of an owner. Yeah. And uh, there's been a little bit of media over the past six months about dog attacks in the ACT. So I think that's the, the challenge there is getting that balance right about community expectations from all sides. Yeah. Um, I think if um, some people might be a bit anxious or nervous about letting pets on public transport, particularly if they're not well controlled or 
like you say, people, owners aren't being responsible. Um, so it might be some time before we see pets actually in hospitals, for instance. Yeah, that's right. And I think with uh, public transport, uh, the RSPCA CEO uh, said in a recent newsletter something I think is really important in that you know, especially a lot of uh, older people and um, and uh, other people who might not, uh, you know, might have mobility problems. If their pet is sick, uh, sometimes uh, the the pet can end up being uh, in a really really bad way yeah. simply because there's very few options of getting that pet to a vet. Yes. And I've uh, heard directly from vets say that. Uh, some can treat a pet in their own home, but the best thing is for the pet to be at a veterinary hospital. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it's, again, getting that balance right. But uh, something I think about all the time is if we've, if we've got a, a dog on public transport, it's just that one dog, one dog who... Yeah. Um, uh, makes a mess and yeah. the owner who's not prepared to clean it up. We just probably need that to happen once for you know people to feel a bit uneasy about yeah, that. Absolutely. But you know, we're we're very interested and, and you would have seen Kim the the lovely um memes that have been going around about how in New York that uh dogs are allowed on the subway as long as they're in a bag. And we've had uh some enormous dogs in, you know, IKEA shopping bags that are, have been held on by their owners. So you know, maybe that's something that, that we could explore. <laughs> maybe we need dog backpacks um, yeah. designed with inbuilt, you know, <laughs> amenities for the dog. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, so something very interesting happened recently around the um, Parliament of Youth on Sustainability. And I understand it's a chance for ACT students from kindergarten to year 12 to have their say about how we can reduce Canberra's ecological footprint and make Canberra more sustainable. And um, I, tell us a little bit about um, this year's Parliament of Youth on Sustainability, the topic of which was what is one action we should take to reduce Canberra's ecological footprint? So the way it works, it's run by an organisation called Sea Change, and I think they got um, almost 200 students, uh, like you said, from ages kindergarten all the way to year 12, and they formed committees. And we've talked here before about uh, parliament committees, and yeah. we've got those in our own assembly, and I'm on a few of those. And the one um, that I'm on that's relevant to this is the Environment, Transport and City Services Committee. And so they ha uh, set into different age groups and, and came up with committees mm. where they thrashed out some ideas. Then the committees all came together and voted for the best ideas yeah. and then the uh, the six best and the six runner-up ideas were presented to a real committee which was our environment committee uh, last Tuesday. And uh, I have to say I was blown away uh, not only uh, by the the quality of ideas, but also uh, the uh, the oratory that was presented by some of the the yeah. kids, including kids 
from grade one. Grade one. And I think there was a kid from grade two who spoke entirely without notes and was incredibly confident. So I was like, wow. you're, a, you're a kid to watch. Wow. But some of the ideas, I mean, you know, that alone, the presentation skills were phenomenal, but uh, the ideas were fantastic too. So one that really um, stuck out to me was the idea of a biotic. So we can mm-hmm. think about the, the heart foundations, ticks on yep. um, products. This would be... Um, a tick on the packaging yes. and uh, uh, the different types of ticks would represent how long the packaging takes to break down once it's in landfill or whether it can be recycled or is entirely biodegradable yeah. or whether it's going to take a thousand years and um, I think the ones that are that were, the idea was if it's over 100 years to, to biodegrade that that would also come with a small tax a zero to 100 wouldn't be taxed, but you'd feel a bit bad. Uh, <laughs> it, would, it would make quite obvious what you were buying. Yep. And uh, if, it, if it was you quite easily... You might think easily. twice. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like um, the the like, uh, the plain packaging with our cigarettes. Yeah. Um, that, you know, they don't look terribly sexy or shiny anymore. There's mm. some pretty awful images on there, mm. and otherwise they're pretty plain looking. Mm. Um, so I thought that was an excellent idea. And another one was um, about recycling soft plastics. So um, those are things like uh, you know, your chip packets. Yep. They're not immediately recyclable, but um, Coles and Woolworths have partnered with an organisation called Red Cycle. And if you've got those soft plastics or, or the things that, um, the bags that you put your fruit and vegetables in, mm. again, those types of, you know, that you can They crumple. multiply. Yeah, yeah, and and I think a lot of us have them and go, oh, what do I do do with this? This is um, they talked about uh, expanding that outside of Coles and Woolworths. So Coles and Woolworths at the moment you can you can collect all your bags together and take them there. They usually have them somewhere in their their shopping centre. But this would be maybe putting them in places like schools where, to be fair, you know, a high amount of chip consumption occurs. (laughs) Could probably also uh, have one one of those in my office. Again, I thought, you know, great idea, and, and um, you know, these weren't from uh, necessarily from kids in year 12. These were young kids. That and is amazing. So yeah. what kind of support did you notice them getting? Was there a coach? Was there a teacher helping them with their presentation? So I think Sea Change had uh, given them um, a lot of support, mm. but it really, you know, a lot of it seemed to be coming from the kids and from their own committees and that support that way, which uh, was really, really impressive and uh, to try and condense, in, in some cases, a quite complex idea. Yeah. Their presentation time was a minute. Wow. And then they had uh, two or three minutes to be asked questions by parliamentarians. I would have been so daunted. Yeah. I was kind of daunted just listening to them yeah. uh, and asking the questions. So, no, they did a fantastic job and it was a pleasure to be part of. What an excellent way for the parliament to engage with the community. Mm. and in particular with the young fellas. That's awesome. Um, another thing that's been happening recently in our community is street art murals mm. replacing graffiti. And I understand you recently joined the Canberra Centre and in the city Canberra to launch a new street 
art mural in the cityscape park on Kiong Street. Yeah, that's right. So just around the corner from where we are right now. And um, it's uh, been an area that's been probably a bit of a target for uh, graffiti or tagging. Mm. And I think what we're trying to do in the ACT is change the conversation about that a little bit. And um, we don't want to deny people who want to practice genuine art the opportunity to do that. So um, the uh, the launch was twofold. One, it was uh, asking uh, this huge, really quite big space for the ACT doing a competition and uh, a panel uh, of government representatives and in the city and the Canberra Centre got together and narrowed that down to three. And then that was a, a Facebook competition where the number of likes was the winning design and that was uh, won by a local artist um, from Canberra who's um, now moved away but still got very strong ties here, George Rose and uh, a guy called Tim Phibbs and they've got uh, very big followings on Instagram and uh, it's really quite a striking design so uh, I find it quite uplifting and they had a a question that was asked to them about, uh, you know, where's the the BMX or the skateboarding in this? And they said, oh, we don't want to necessarily um, prioritise one genre over another or one um, sporting activity over another. What we want to do is do a mural that really shows the flow of movement um, Mm. and connect to Canberra and the bushland. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, it takes a, uh, quite a while to, to really absorb uh, exactly what's there, but there's corroboree frogs, um, bogong moths, eucalypts, the royal bluebell. It's very, very Canberran, and these great uh, splashes of, you know, purples and yellows. I'm not uh, terribly artistic, so that probably does, uh, really doesn't make it sound as uh, fantastic as it really is. So that's one part of it, and that's being covered with a uh, an anti-graffiti uh, paint. Mm-hmm. So now it can't be tagged, or right. if it can be, it's easily come off. Removed, yep. um, So that's, I think, really spruced up the area. But right next door to it is a legal graffiti practice site. And we now have 24 of those throughout Canberra. Mm-hmm. And that is quite literally a place where anybody who wants to practice tag or, you know, proper, you know, elaborate artwork, whatever, that they can go down there and that is a space set aside for them to do that. That's fantastic. And is is it being well used? Is it a, is there a big uptake of those spaces? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even uh, at the launch the other week, uh, we had a, a few kids there and immediately the area was covered. <laughs> it really goes to show like just how quickly our spray paint can, to, can go up and, uh, and fill a space. But uh, so, you know, already some really talented kids there who were able to, to show off their work and, and manage it within themselves. Awesome. That's great. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, Canberra's local current affairs program where we explore issues from a curious and informed perspective. And today we're talking with Tara Chain, MLA in the Ginandera electorate. Tara will be our regular guest on Subject ACT, bringing us news about what's happening in our Legislative Assembly and helping us understand the business and processes of government. Stay with us now for more of our conversation with Tara. So, Tara, we have been following on this program the APS decentralisation process, situation, Mm. developments. Can you give us an update? Uh, Kind of. 
So uh, it's still a lot of bluster and uh, a lot of frustrating bluster, to say the least. So the major developments that have occurred probably in the last few weeks is that there was a Senate inquiry into the APVMA move Mm -hmm. and it concluded that there really should be a cost-benefit analysis done uh, before anything further happens. A great evidence-based approach. Absolutely. And uh, the government senators have actually written a dissenting report. Mm. Uh, So the government will now have to uh, respond to the recommendations that are in that report, but Mm -hmm. uh, typically in the, the, the Commonwealth government, sometimes they take... Uh, committee reports really seriously and uh, respond quite quickly and sometimes there are some reports that take a really long time to be responded to so Mm. that's a real watch this space. Mm. At the same time there's now a talk about establishing um, a House of Representatives inquiry into the broader decentralisation and Mm -hmm. I think that was something that Senator Barnaby Joyce um, sorry, um, not no longer Senator Barnaby Joyce, uh, that Barnaby Joyce mooted and, um, uh, you know, that's, uh, again, I, I think that has uh, major issues with it in that uh, the House of Reps has a majority yeah. of uh, Liberal National mm. uh, members, and so that means that any committee established will have a majority of Liberal National members, mm. and therefore the majority report will... Uh, most likely be in favour. Not to not to get ahead of myself, but I think we can predict mm. uh, where that's going to land. So that seems like something that's quite wasteful, really. Mm. Uh, we still don't have a know what the template is or what the requirements are of um, the uh, the. To, um, the departments yet to have to justify mm. why they should stay in Canberra, mm. and uh, you know, uh, uh, it will be interesting to see that happen. So mm. apparently they have to do that by August with a, um, a decision made in December, but without a template to follow. Oh, okay. Really starting to, to have question marks about it and, about and how process. serious this policy is. Yeah, the other thing that is of concern is that this whole process is reinforcing a myth that most public servants are located in Canberra and they aren't um, and while while a small percentage is in Canberra it's very significant and important for mm. our community our economy and our society so this will have an un, a very unfair impact on Canberra um, and the families and community members that are, that are left behind if any decentralisation does occur absolutely and, and which is a myth in itself the concept of decentralization it's it's a very it's a misnomer absolutely it mm. really is uh, we already are quite decentralized as an Australian public service and uh, the departments and the people who are in Canberra are here for a reason we are the nation's capital this is our center of government mm. and Talking about that cost-benefit analysis, uh, I think that there there is a real issue. Even removing all of the human aspects away from it, just the travel costs alone. Mm. And I think we only have to look at places like the NDIA, uh, with major government agency set up in in Geelong. That was a brand new agency. That's that wasn't you know moving jobs. That was mm. creating jobs. Yep. But still. It's uh, quite a long way away from Canberra, quite mm. a lot of effort to get here. 
and yet a lot of their senior executives have to do a lot of travel. I bet if we looked at their annual reports, their travel budget is pretty high. It'd be be astronomical. So then multiply Mm. that by a lot of agencies and ministers saying, I want you here to come and brief me on X, Y, Z. Yeah then uh, you know those flights really start to add yeah. up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some hard economic analysis on this. Yeah, yeah. me too, yeah. me too. Um, so recently the ACT Chief Minister and Treasurer, Mr Andrew Barr, MLA, delivered the 1718 ACT budget. Mm. It, was on, it was on Tuesday the 6th of June. What insights can you share with us about the budget process and, and what we'll notice as a community as a result of the budget? So I think the the budget really is trying to do two things, uh, uh, the first budget out of an election year and the first in a four-year parliamentary term. The first of those is uh, looking to balance the budget and so what we'll see uh, over the next few years is uh, next financial year will... uh, uh, sorry, the 1819 financial mm-hmm. year, that's where uh, we'll start to see um, a, a balanced budget, so a very small surplus, and then after that, uh, more surpluses, but again, uh, that they'll stay uh, quite modest. And mm-hmm. uh, the Chief Minister has said, you know, it doesn't want to have you know, a $500 million surplus, that mm. is a bit silly. Yeah. That just shows that the government's sitting on money rather than yes. spending it where, it where it needs to be. So I think aiming for that, you know, roundabout. Um, balance but a little bit of a surplus as a bit of a buffer is pretty sensible so uh, it's about smart spending there but also delivering on our election commitments and we've got a really large range of election commitments and we've seen a lot of them um, come into this budget. One of the major ones uh, is the new uh, Spire Centre uh, at the Canberra Hospital mm. and so I still don't get uh, the entire acronym correct. It's Surgical yeah. Procedures, I forget what the I is, Radiology and uh, Emergency. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's uh, a really expensive uh, project but an important one to help with waiting times and um, to to make sure that Canberrans have access to world-class healthcare Mm -hmm. and uh, the work's starting for that now because, as you can imagine, it's a really big project. It'll take a while to to deliver. Exactly Mm -hmm. right. But we've also seen one of the biggest commitments uh, to the arts in Mm -hmm. at least a decade Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that came with a lot of capital for funding which we spoke about for mm. the Belconnen Arts Centre yep. and that was you know, a huge community effort and great to see that realised. We've also got things like uh, the Belco Bikeway and that'll be one of the first of its kind in the ACT where we'll have a separated bike path. So if anyone who's travelled to <coughs> excuse me, places like uh, uh, Denmark and Copenhagen and uh, Pedestrians are separated from bikes, are separated from motor vehicle traffic. And so uh, that's a way not only to make uh, travel safe uh, Mm. for cyclists and pedestrians in the town centre and make it more and more pedestrian and cyclist friendly, Mm -hmm. but also to connect the town centre a little bit better. We've got uh, the old Belconnen busway, and that's uh, not exactly ideal. It's, It's kind of been fenced off for a very long time and uh, I think that that's a real opportunity for that bikeway to help connect the town centre to suburbs like Flory and Page Mm. but also to the University of Canberra which 
kind of has its back facing to the town centre and I'd really like to see it become part of the town centre. So sometimes, you know, a bit of that infrastructure investment and just creating those physical connections can create those kind of emotional and psychological connections too. Absolutely. That sounds great. Um, uh, we've got Red Nose Day coming up. Mm. What are we going to notice um, uh, in, in Canberra? How will we be participating or how will the government mm. be supporting Red Nose Day? So the government's been um, a partner and a supporter of Red Nose, which was formerly known as Sids and Kids uh, for the past number of years. And more and more of our government agencies are coming on board. And one of the uh, particular and very uh, obvious ways that we're a supporter is through our government vehicles. So mm. those are our buses, our police cars, our ambulances, um, our fire trucks and our pumpers which will all be wearing a red nose. Um, not all of them, but a vast majority of them will be. And uh, so uh, already travelling around, I've spotted a few of them, and uh, they're quite distinctive. And in addition to that, we've got uh, Transport Canberra has sponsored some advertising on the backs of buses, just alerting people to Red Nose Day, So, mm. which is on the 30th of June. And mm -hmm. Uh, for those who don't know um, what Red Nose is about, it's a it's a pretty vital charity in the ACT. Not only does it help save children's lives by offering support to new parents about looking after uh, their child, but it also supports those who've lost a child or a baby. And mm. uh, you know, th th I think it's it's it can be more common than society realizes. It's not mm. something that we talk about a lot, and mm. you know, it's a, a very yeah, that's an understatement, a very difficult time for families. So that that's incredibly important work that Red Nose does and this is their major fundraiser. So mm. get on board and I'm sure we'll see a few people wearing Red Noses as well on uh, Red Nose Day, 30 mm. June. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, Tara. And uh, you're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT. That concluded this month's discussion with Tara, MLA from the electorate of Ginandera, government whip and driving force behind In the Tara Tree.